0: Welcome to part three of our series uh, called Minecraft. We're taking on mental health and we're taking on mental health because I don't know, statistics show that in the last year in Canada, that there has been an increase of 5%, 5%, that's 1.9 million more people in the last year have claimed issues of mental health issues, of depression, anxieties, unusual anxieties, and PTSD. And if we're, let's just be honest, I honestly think that 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 5% is probably a little low. Because I think a little bit, you just like me, like, all of us are experiencing a little bit of PTSD after the last couple of years. Like, I mean, there's a little bit of... Post-traumatic, it's been a traumatic couple years of ups and downs. And I thought, man, you know, we need to talk about mental health. And and we need to bring it to the forefront and talk about it and learn how to deal with it. And I thought, what a better time of year to do that than January. There's no better time to, to look at the year ahead and saying, this year we're going to address what is mentally unhealthy and we're going to learn techniques that Jesus taught. There's lots of mental health talk in the Bible. We're going to learn a lot about mental health and techniques about how to have the best year yet so that we can go into this year strong. Now, when the Bible talks about mental health, and it does talk about it a lot, when the Bible talks about mental health, it doesn't just talk about the mind. It talks about the heart. And we've been talking about the heart. Solomon said, as a man thinks in his heart— so, is he? And for those of you who are thinking, well, you can't think in the heart, the, when the Bible says the word heart, it's actually talking about our subconscious or non conscious, as Dr. Karen Leaf says, the non conscious metacognitive level of our thinking, which she says makes up 90 to 99% of our thinking. That That's the part of our subconscious that is, is going 24 7 when you're asleep, it's rolling, it's going, and it does. Four hundred billion actions per second, as opposed to your conscious thinking, which only does two hundred thousand actions per second. So when the Bible talks about as a man thinks in his heart, it's saying in order for us to be healthy, we're not just you know mentally healthy. We not don't need to just deal with our mind. We need to also deal with our heart thinking. And and just just let me. how, How many of you heard this week that? You know, doctors did this remarkable transplant with a man, and that they actually put a, a pig heart into into a guy. Did anybody hear about that? Did anybody else have a thought like me, going, "I wonder if that guy feels guilty eating bacon now"? <laughs> Nobody else. Okay, I'm just like I was like, does does that change anything? Like, if you have a pig heart, does that change? It, of course, I'm mean, I'm being silly, but that doesn't it it doesn't change. How you process, because we all know that the physical heart is an organ. It pumps blood. It doesn't think. But yet Solomon says, as a man thinks in his heart, subconscious level. And Jesus said, and we looked at this last week, Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, that it's for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So when Jesus said that, he says, what comes out of your mouth? Have you ever said something? You're like, man, I didn't mean that, or I don't know where that came from, or you know, those kind of things. We say that all the time. Jesus says, I know where it came from. It came from within your heart. If it came out of your mouth, that means it's what's in there. So last week, I gave you a homework assignment, and the homework assignment is to pay attention to what your mouth is speaking. Is it positive? Is it negative? Is it, is it faith? Is it fear? You know, what, what is your mouth speaking? Because what your mouth speaks, are, you know, are you saying can't or won't or don't a lot, or is there is there a positive outlook in, in faith? And I, if you're like me, I caught myself numerous times last week paying attention to my own mouth speak and going, there's some unhealthy things here. Anybody else want to be brave? Put your hands up and going, yeah, caught yourself and going, yeah, there's some stuff that we need to deal with. So we're in the right room. This is not, that's not to make us feel guilty. And that whole Technique of, of identifying what's in our heart is not so that we can be shamed with it. The whole purpose is to say if there's something in our heart that's not healthy, Solomon said it this way. He said, the heart of a man or a woman is like deep waters, but it takes a man or woman of wisdom to dig it out. And it takes, and that's what we're doing. We're applying wisdom to say what's in there so we can dig it out so that if there's something unhealthy in there, we can address it. Now, I've been combining a whole lot of psychology and, and, and mental health stuff and training and different things that we Pastor Ralph and I have been going through in, in psychology training, counselor training, and combining that with what the Bible says. Now, in psychology, there's a chart I want to show you, and it's from the National Institute for the Clinical Application of Behavioral Medicine. That's a mouthful. That is the name of their company. Thank God they have an acronym. Um, but anyway, this is, their, this is their chart. This is what they said. This is what psychologists... Have, have, through all of their studies, they said there's four core strategies for managing our stress and anxiety. And here's what they are. Number one is attention-centering techniques. So they say to neutralize anxiety, it can often help to use techniques designed to focus attention beyond anxious thoughts. So they, they recommend meditation, breathing exercises, visualization. Number two, They said, you know, to manage our stress and anxiety, they said, you know, expressive creative strategies to channel anxious thoughts or feelings in more productive ways. We might identify specific outlets to express creativity, such as working on a project, drawing, and athletics. Number three, they said, you know, the third core stress, uh, strategy is to reflection exploration strategies. So to monitor where anxiety arises, become more aware of anxiety triggers, and reflect on anxious thought and feelings, we might try strategies that foster self-observation. So that's journaling, self-monitoring, and communication. And what I taught last week, by the way, was that technique number three is, you know, the, as the mouse speaks... The hardest fault. So we're just basically monitoring, doing self-monitoring and saying, am I healthy or not so healthy? Is there unhealthy areas? Then we can deal with it. That's one of the techniques they recommend. Number four, they recommend healthy lifestyle values to reduce residual feelings of anxiety. It could help to turn attention towards healthy habits, healthy relationships, healthy pleasures, and a healthy environment, nutrition, relationships, and exercise. What's interesting about these four techniques is that the Bible talks about all four, and it gives us techniques in all four. Last week, we talked about number three. Today, I want to talk, talk about number one, which is attention-centering techniques. So, you know, they talk about attention, you know, they talk about such things as, you know, meditation and, and, you know, you know uh, visualization and journaling and self-monitoring and, you know, communication, all these kind of things, they, that's the, t- the terminology they use. Well, Jesus talked about the same things. He just used a different language. And the language Jesus used for meditation, journaling, visualization, Jesus used the word prayer. Now, before all of us, you know, churchgoers, you know, religious types before we go, yeah, but there's a big difference between prayer and prayer has nothing to do with meditation, visualization and journaling and all the rest of it. It's like, wait, wait, wait time out a second. Wait a second. Because I, I just want to, I want to poke a little bit at us Christians who are raising this because we have turned and I just, what I've realized with myself is that I have turned prayer into a ritual. I've turned prayer into something that is actually Harming me more than it's helping. You're like anybody just say like something goes wrong and they're like, well, just pray about it. Yeah, you, and that's an easy thing to say, but has anybody else just let's let's just be honest? Has anybody else discovered that the way that you're praying or how you're praying either doesn't help or it seems to make things worse? Anybody else? You want to be honest and saying the way, for, and the reason. A few of you are honest, that's great. The, re- the rest of you are looking at me like, that's sacrilegious. You can't say that. But listen, we've turned, we've turned prayer into a problem that is actually accentuating the problem. And how Jesus taught us how to pray. And Jesus taught us how to pray, and He taught us how not to pray. And I went back and read some of these things because, you know, we, we it, it, were so Christian some of us, that we hear the term meditation and we're like, well, that's what the world does. That's all, that's visualization. <clears throat> that's, that, that's what, visualization, that's a worldly technique. That has nothing to do with my prayer time. Now, wait a second. If visualization is so worldly, what do you think God was doing when he took Abraham outside of his tent and said, look at the stars and count them, or look at the sand, and so shall your descendants be? What was, what was God doing to Abraham giving him a mental picture of what could be. But listen, the world takes what God designed and perverts it. And what happens And when the world takes it and perverts it and twists it and uses it wrong, it's the same thing what happens when us Christians take it and we kind of separate from all that and then we miss the point. And then we turn prayer into a religious task that does nothing but actually make matters worse. And let me explain. Because look at how Jesus taught on how to do this. And I'll show you how I've been praying wrong and how I actually was digging myself a deeper hole mentally healthy, health-wise because of my prayer instead of helping. And then how I changed and shifted and how it's it's helped immensely doing that. This is what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6. Talking about prayer. He's teaching his disciples how to pray. He said... Here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role-play before God. Huh. Anybody else seen role-playing before God? Like, come on, we, we, turn, we turn prayer into role play. Like, we, we, if you don't think we role-play before God, then how come the super-religious types, when they start to pray, their tone of voice changes; it shifts down a couple, and then they turn into they speak instead of speaking regu- regular English. It, it turns into King James's English. <laughs> Anybody know this? Like you don't talk that way normally, but all of a sudden it comes to prayer. It's like, "Thy Father, Thou wast art the." I mean, you can't even like we don't know how to do it, but we turn into we turn into we start role playing and we shift. We talk one way and then we get into prayer and then hats come off and, and all, like, we, all of a sudden we turn, into something, we turn into something different, which I'm not saying, like, but Jesus is saying, hey, don't turn it into, don't be tempted to turn it into some role play before God. You're not impressing Him. That's what He's saying. Then he says, just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. And I love how Jesus says, as you can manage, because he understood that there's going to be a part of us all the way through that's going to not manage, like, we're not going to get fully honest and fully simple in all this. We can only do as much as we can manage. Thank you, Jesus, for giving us that loophole. But then, because you know us so well. Then he says, the focus will shift from you to God, and you will begin to sense his grace. The focus will shift as simply as. And honestly, as you can manage, the focus will shift from you to God. Now, when Jesus says a quiet, secluded place, shifting your focus from you to God, and you begin to sense his grace, which grace is undeserved favor. It's a gift, really. That sounds a whole lot like meditation and visualization, doesn't it? Self-monitoring to me. But Jesus also warned us how not to pray. Look at this. This is what he said. The world is full of so-called prayer warriors who are prayer ignorant. I didn't write this. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, ouch. They're full of formulas and programs and advice, peddling techniques for getting what you want from God. Don't fall for that nonsense. I read this and I was like, wait. Prayer, full of formulas and programs and advice, Peddling techniques. And I realized having looking at my own prayer, this is this is what my own prayer had become. It had become a formula, had become a religious program, a set time, a set place, and a set way, and a set language. And like it became, I gotta do this, I gotta do that, I gotta do this. And it became it became a religious ritual. And here's here's can I let you in a little bit on on the formula that, that I was using? So I realized that my formula in prayer was I had, I had a, a laundry list of things I wanted God to clean up. I had a grocery list of things that needs that I wanted him to meet. And I also had the Christmas wish book list. Anybody remember the Christmas wish book when they used to come? Uh, the, the list that I used to make for my parents all the time. Here's, here's the wish list and the circle, all the toys, and all the rest of it. I came to God with my wish book, and I had a wish list of all the things that I want. All the things I want Him to clean up, all the things I need, and all the things I want. And then I would come to God in a, in a and I would role play before him and I'd like, you know, I'd do all the things that I, you know, repent and make sure that I'm all right and do all these kind of things. And I would, I would come to this for and I would give him this list. And here's what I realized in that my, in my prayer time, I realized that my focus never shifted from me to God. My focus was always on me and that I did all the talking. I mean, I never shut up. I went into my prayer time, and I just, it was my prayer time, so I just talked and talked and gave God my whole list and just talked, and when I was done talking, I was like, okay, you know, I hung up on God and went back and did work. Nobody else? <laughs> okay, now watch. Watch what happens. Jesus is saying, don't do that, okay? But what do I do? Here's what he says. He says, this is your father you're dealing with, and he knows better than you what you need. Okay? Interesting that Jesus focuses listeners on seeing God as a father, talking about an intimate relationship. Intimacy here, not a system, relationship. And then he says, and he knows better than you what you need. In other words, I came to God with my lists and God goes, I know all that. In fact, you left some out. In fact, you, don't, you can cross that off, that off, that off. You don't really need that. What you really need is this and that would satisfy all of that. He knows better than what I need. And so I'm coming to him with my list thinking that I'm, Praying. And Jesus is like, Why do you come with your list of needs? He knows. Then he goes on. He says, This, with a God like this loving us, you can pray very simply. Like this. Okay? No techniques, no long, no length, simple. Then he says, Our Father. In heaven, there's the Father thing again. Then he says this, and I love this in the Message Bible. He says, reveal who you are. And I, I paused here. I, th- I thought, I was like, wait a second. I have been praying. What I've been praying in such a way with my lists, with my formulas, with this. And all I've been doing is I've been focusing on all of the things I lack and all of the problems I'm dealing with. And my focus didn't shift from me to God. My focus shifted from God to, my goodness, my problems are really big. Because the more you talk about them, the more you pray about them, the more you focus on them, the bigger they become. Anybody else notice this in your prayer? Like the first time you pray for something, it's a big deal. I mean, you prayed for it, so it's a big deal. But then when you didn't get the answer right away and you started praying for it again, the longer you prayed for it, did it become a smaller deal? No, it became a bigger deal, didn't it? Or is that just me? And I realize I say this, I've said this hundreds of times, and I'm going to keep on saying it until we all get it. But what you focus on, you empower. So if I focus on my lists, my problems, I'm actually giving more power to my problems, right? So what I was trying to do to get mentally healthy was to kind of bring God into the picture and have him meet all my needs. And if he met all my needs, I'd be happy. I'd be healthy if all my needs were met. And in the meantime, all I'm doing is focusing on my problems. And I was driving myself into a deeper pit of despair because I was empowering my problems Instead of having my focus, shift to God. And Jesus said how you get your focus to shift from you to God is you start with just saying, Daddy, reveal to me who you are. And then shut up. (laughs) And let him talk. Because what if, just, just imagine with me for a moment, what if our prayer time, this is simple, our Father, reveal who you are. And what if we just meditated on him, and who he is, and some of the scriptures that we like, and, and we just focus on him, and your mind will race all over the place and all the rest of it, but, but the, as, you, as you just sit there and focus on him, reveal yourself to me. Reveal yourself to me. The more you focus on him, then all of a sudden, as you do that, Jesus said there would be a progression that all of a sudden, your focus would shift from you to him. And then, Jesus said, then, then we can address our needs. In fact, Jesus taught the disciples at another time. He taught them, you know, remember he cursed a fig tree, and, and they're like, whoa, like, you know, how'd you do that? They, one morning they walk in and didn't have figs and it wasn't even seasoned for figs and Jesus was having an off day or something. I don't know, he's like, fig tree die. And they walked in and they walked out and the fig tree was dead and they're like, whoa. And then they're like, you gotta teach us how to do that. And so Jesus is like, okay. And this is what he said in Mark 11. He said, have faith in God. Okay? It didn't say have faith in your answers or in your prayers. He said, have faith in God. Again, he said, reveal who you are. And then he says, have faith in God. Jesus answered, faith in God, period. Then he says this. He says, truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Okay, so let's, let's break it down. This is how Jesus is teaching us how to pray. He's saying, saying, our Father, reveal yourself to me. And then as I wait and he begins to reveal himself to you, I'm going to sense the shift of my focus from me to him. And as I, as I shift my focus from me to him, my faith is going to grow. And then I'm going to be able to place my faith in God And once my faith grows and I have faith in God, then I can turn to my problems and my list and in my own voice and in my own authority, I can say, problem, mountain, move. Watch. God is saying that once I know who my father is, He's also going to reveal who I am. Because this is what Paul discovered. He's like, he discovered that Jesus is the king. He called him the king of kings. And then he started to saying, and you are the sons and daughters, the joint heirs with him. In other words, you're the little k king. And when you realize, wait, That's my father, I'm his son, that I'm a joint heir with Christ that is given all authority, once I see that he has all authority and my focus shifts on him, then all of a sudden he's going to start to reveal who I am. And all of a sudden the, 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 the little me who's overwhelmed by the problems starts to see the really big God and that I'm in that picture too and that, I, that I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a king's kid. I'm a son of the, of the most high God. I have authority and I can turn to my problems and I can deal with them myself. Or I can get trapped in my list and focus on my problems and start to feel smaller and smaller and smaller and look at God and say, aren't you going to do something? Aren't you going to help? And he's like, would you just connect with me? Because if you get close, this is why we worship at the beginning of our service, because we know everything a week can bring, and there's a whole lot of craziness going on in your head. And all of a sudden, you can start singing, every victory is his, and that he's the God of the impossible, that all things are possible with him, and that he turns graves into gardens, and if he can do that. And all of a sudden, you build that up, and you're going, oh, yeah. And you can sense the shift of of your problems to all of a sudden how big your God is. And the more you see how big your God is, the smaller your problems become. And then Jesus says this in, in the Lord's Prayer. He you know, he says, Our Father in heaven, reveal yourself to me. I think we should just pause there and, and wait till he does. Then he says this. Then he says, Set the world right. And <laughs> does he? Please. But I don't think he's talking about the world out there. I think he's talking about the world in here. Do what's best. Not according to what I want. But once I reveal and see who you are, I'm going to see that you're the king. You're in charge. You're God. I'm not. Do what's best as above, so below. Other translations say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's a surrender. Saying, you're God, I'm not. Then he says, keep us alive with three square meals. Okay? So there's, the needs are there. But the needs aren't like just... Just keep me alive. It's not about all the wants. It's not about all this. It's just like God, you're God. You're the King. You can take care of. Keep us alive. Keep us forgiven with you and forgiving others. And then I love this sentence: Keep us safe from ourselves and the devil. And I like that. Keep us safe from ourselves because I realize the devil's not my biggest problem. Anybody else? I am. I'm my biggest problem. My own stinking thinking is my biggest problem. And I like this, look out, keep me safe from my stinking thinking. <laughs> How? Reveal who you are. And then I can say, you're in charge. You can do anything you want, exclamation mark. You're a blaze in beauty. Yes, yes, yes. And you can see in this progression, in this Short, simple prayer. Reveal who you are. That all of a sudden, once he sees who God is, once you see who God is, you're in charge? Yes. You care about all of it? Yes. You can do anything you want. You're the God of the possible. You're, you're the God of uh, who can turn the impossible into possible, who can turn graves into gardens and seas into highways. God, you can do all of that. You're in charge. You're ablaze with beauty. You're amazing. And once I do that, then I'm screaming, yes, yes, yes. Not, not at my problems. No, no, no. Yes, yes, yes. And, and the word yes, yes, yes is simply the religious word for that is amen. Amen just simply means, yes, do it. That's what amen means. But we get so ritual and, yeah, yeah just, I mean, close at the end of your prayers if you want to skip all the ritual, ritual stuff. Just say at the end of it is, reveal who you are. And then once you start to see, have faith in God and it's like, yes, yes, yes. And then turn to your problems it's like, get lost. I'm a king's kid. You can leave me alone. Jesus went on. He said, in prayer, there's a connection between what God does and what you do. You can't get forgiveness. A lot of times in our prayer, that connection is missed. A lot of times in our prayer, we're just waiting on God to move. God do your thing. And when he doesn't answer, God God hasn't done his thing. But in the meantime, wait, wait, wait. In the meantime, it's... It's not about moving God. It's about moving me. That's what prayer is. Prayer, there's a connection between what God does and what you do. Then he says, you can't get forgiveness from God, for instance, without also forgiving others. There's an action. Anytime I pray, there's going to be an action. If you refuse to do your part, you cut yourself off from God's part. And many of us, I don't know. I have, for me, I looked at my, like, I cut myself off from God acting on my behalf because I got so wrapped up in my lists and my problems and my rituals that I missed seeing who he really is and cut myself off from being able to solve those problems because I got wrapped up waiting for him to move. In the meantime, he gave everything to me to solve it myself. Are you getting this? So sometimes we pray wrong, and sometimes our prayer is more of a religious ritual than it is the What's the meditation? We, we talked about it earlier, meditation, visualization. What's the meditation? The meditation is, I'm, it, meditation in itself isn't wrong. It's what you meditate on. And Jesus said, meditate on the Father. Reveal who you are. And as you do that, you're going to get a visualization of what he is and who he is. And as you do that, he's also going to reveal who you are. And when you see who you are and who your God is, all of a sudden the problems become small. And then you move. Today's takeaway is simply this. Prayer isn't about moving God. It's about moving me. And the way that we pray sometimes drives us deeper into our problems because we focus on them instead of honor God. Don't talk to God about your problems. Connect with God and then tell your problems about your God. Because He knows better than you what you need. So this week, this, this week's homework, last week we wanted you to reveal what's in your heart. This week's homework is I, I want us to just just try this week in, in your prayer time or if you don't have a prayer time I want you to just take a few seconds every morning just start this way and just say daddy father reveal who you are just that's the prayer this week just just pray that reveal who you are and then take some time to just meditate on him and focus on him and my prayer for you is that this week you're going to make it have a deeper connection with God than ever And if you get to see just a glimpse, a side of more of who he is, man, it'll change your world. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for who you are. And Holy Spirit, this week I pray for each one in this room and those listening or watching online I pray that as we pray this week for you to reveal yourself to us, I pray that you would reveal yourself to each of us at another level. Holy Spirit, would you do that for us? Can we see more of you, of the Father?
1: In Jesus' name, amen. Well, hey, everybody, Tim back here with you. I hope that message hit home for you. Like, I hope those points are hitting you right where you needed to uh, hear it and what you're experiencing in your daily life. That being said, guys, I want to invite you into a relationship with Jesus. This is the reason why we're all gathered here today. And it could be one of the most defining decisions that you ever make in your entire life life. I love what Pastor Kelly said, prayer isn't about moving God, it's about moving me. And if this service moved you to a point where you're like, I just need something different in my life, I want to give God a chance, and I want to partner with you this morning in saying that prayer together. It says in scripture that if you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, that God sent his son and rose him from the dead, that you could be saved and have relationship with him and you know here at parallel church we are trading religion for relationship and so today if you want to say that prayer with me would you just wherever you're at right now close your eyes and repeat after me say dear jesus i thank you that you love me and i thank you that you died and rose again so today i ask you to come into my life be lord of my life my savior, and my friend. I thank you that my past is past and I can begin a new life with you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you said that prayer for the first time, I want you to go ahead and click the link that our host team is throwing in the online chat. Right now, send us a message. Let us know that you made that decision today. It's not going to be advertised. It's completely between you and God, but we want to come alongside you in this journey. And a huge virtual applause to everybody that made that decision that's watching this video right now, wherever you are in the world.